spend below $100. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm somewhere in that $100 to $1,000 range. I think that's, uh, uh, for, for our family, that's probably where we will be this year, but uh, bills creep up, don't they? I mean, you, you, you buy a gift over here, you buy a gift over here, you buy a gift over here, and I can imagine over some time, if you're not paying, paying close attention to your budget, you could spend close to $1,000 on gifts, couldn't you? So we've been asking these last few weeks, what will Christmas cost you? And today, I want to kind of settle in on this one point, is that Christmas costs us all something. Christmas costs us all something. The first rule that you learn in economics is there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? That there's no such thing as completely free. Even someone who purchases your lunch for you, brings it to you, you still have to give a little of your time to receive that. There's no such thing as a free lunch. So today, again, I want to settle in on this. Christmas costs us all something, but for some, it costs more than others. We've talked these last couple of weeks about the cost of Christmas. For Mary, Christmas costs her physically, we talked about two weeks ago, physically costs her her body. She had to give in order to be used by God. Christmas cost Mary, of, of course, much, much more than that, but initially, her body. We talked last week about how Christmas cost Joseph his reputation. He gave up so very much so that he could be the adoptive father of Jesus. His reputation went out the window because so many of his friends and family members questioned Mary's allegiance to him, questioned how he could stay with Mary even in the midst of this. And then as he grew, as Jesus grew, Joseph's reputations continued to take a hit. So again, I say Christmas costs us all something. For some, it costs more than others. Would you open up your Bible, one of the Pew Bibles, to Matthew chapter 2? Or if you're following along on the Bible app, it is there for you, Matthew chapter 2. And let's enter into this very small town of Bethlehem, where Jesus would be born, where there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the end. A census was being taken. And so Mary and Joseph went to Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we have come to worship him. But when King Herod heard all of this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for that is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people 
Israel. That's the prophet Micah that we read this morning as we lit the Advent candles. Verse 7. When Herod heard or called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared, he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I may too go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until they stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down, they worshipped him, and they opened their treasures, and they presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. But having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up and take the child, his mother, and escaped to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up. He took the child and his mother during the night. They left for Egypt, where they stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. Let's consider for for a moment... What an honor it was for Mary to be chosen by God. As the one who would give birth to our Savior, the Messiah of the world, Mary was chosen to be the one that would raise him and guide him and love him as only a mother could. Consider with me what an honor it was for Joseph to be chosen as Jesus' earthly father, to be the one that would teach him and help mold him as a young man growing up. Consider what an honor it it was for Bethlehem to be chosen as the birthplace of the promised Messiah, the one that had been waiting, they had been waiting for. For thousands of years, for a couple of thousands of years. To be the origin of the one who would deliver God's chosen people. But, as we've already mentioned with Mary and with Joseph, with this honor came a great cost. Amen? For Mary, for Joseph, and for Bethlehem. I say again, Christmas costs us all something. For some it costs more than others. Verse 16 of Matthew 2. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time they had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping, And in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. See, this week's question takes on a whole different level. We've been asking, what does Christmas cost Mary? What did Christmas cost Joseph? What did Christmas cost Bethlehem? It cost them their sons. 
Christmas being that birthplace of the Messiah, the birthplace of Jesus, cost them their sons. King Herod, so furious that he had been outwitted by the Magi, so frustrated that they had returned to their country another route, so worried that this newborn baby would in fact overtake his throne and his kingdom, he calls for the killing, the genocide of every baby boy two years old and under. And it's like he, he puts a, a, a tack on the map right in the middle of Bethlehem because he knew that's where the Magi had said they were going. He puts that on the map and he draws a circle about two miles around that dot and he, uh, he sends his soldiers out to take the lives of all of these baby boys. Wow. See, in the last few weeks, I've been asking the question, was it worth it? This past week, I got to this point in the message. And I got up and I put the whole thing on hold for about a day. Then I sat back down and I thought, well, now, I, now I've, I'm better mind. I can, I can answer this question now. Here we go. And I sat at my computer and I began to weep. Was it worth it? I can't imagine sitting, sitting with the mothers and fathers of these babies and telling them as they, as they grieve, as they mourn, as they wail in their living rooms and tell them, well, it's all been worth it. Jesus' birth here in Bethlehem is going to save the world. Thousands of years from now, people are going to look back at this occurrence and they're going to say, that's when salvation was, came to the world. That's when hope was born. And your son had a part of that. See, because in that moment, nobody wants to hear that. Was it worth it? See, that question still hangs in my mind. Many of us have lost a loved one. These ornaments are just a small representation, right, of all those that, that, that have been torn out of our life and we feel that, that emptiness, that presence that's just not with us fully this time of year or any point now in our earthly life. We've lost a, a loved one, a friend, a relative, and we'd give almost anything to have them back, wouldn't we? Just to spend another minute, another day with this loved one. Church, I want to invite you just to take a minute and think of their life. Think of the impact and the influence that their life had on others, the impact that their life had on those around them. Consider the effect that their passing made on your 
life. And consider the ripple effect that their life has made now. Those ripples that you know about, but those that you may never be aware of. This influence, this impact now that their life is making into eternity. Just knowing this person changed the way you live, the way you act. Dealing with the, the, the pain, the grief. This encounter reminds us of our own mortality. Yet it can lead to transformation. It can lead to resolve. It can lead to purpose. About a year, a little over a year ago, I sat up here with two of my friends, my wife. I want to remind you of Danny and Turi and little baby Gracie. Gracie was born 28 weeks gestation, very premature, number of issues, heart issues, brain issues. Kim and I met them in the hospital. Didn't know them. They were strangers, but they lived. They were from the same town. And through the Lord's doing, we began to have conversations. And we shared this season of their life just a few days, a little over a week, as their daughter Gracie took her last breaths here on earth. As Gracie entered her eternal home in heaven. I got to be a part of their life and to share with them during those very difficult days and during the, the funeral and the days to follow. It was weeks later, they entered our church. They hadn't been in a church in a number of years. They entered our church. It was about four weeks later. They, they just kept coming back week after week after week. Despite bad preaching, they kept coming back. It was after they had been there for about four weeks, Danny, I greeted him before the service, and he said, hey, did you get my text? I want to be baptized today. I've accepted Jesus. I baptized him that very day. And after he was baptized, we stood outside. Danny and Turi, with a big smile on his face, he said, Pastor Adam, it's all been worth it. You could have knocked me over. He said, Pastor Adam, it's all been worth it. I'll never forget those words. He said, not many fathers get to say that their daughter led them to Christ from heaven. It's all been worth it. How could he say that? Well, he could say that because he knew the eternal impact that it had made in his own life. And he could say that because he saw that ripple effect that her life was making throughout the community and far, far, far 
reaching. Later I talked to him as he, he shared about not only his own coming to Christ, but how Gracie might have an influence in someone else's life and lead them to Christ too. She's in the business, he said, of leading people to Jesus. I love that. But still his words hang with me. It's all been worth it. Friends, I want you to think about this. Think, 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 think about this now. Someone else suffered. I don't say maybe, I don't say perhaps. Someone else suffered so that you could meet Jesus. Christmas costs us all something. For some, it costs much, much more than others. Your salvation costs God his son. Your salvation cost Jesus his throne in glory. He gave it up and came and became one of us. I have to tell you, and maybe that sounds well, you know that was, that was temporary. I have to tell you, once I'm in heaven, once I'm sharing in God's glory, there's nothing that's going to pull me back to this cruel, dark world. And yet Jesus gave it all up to become one of us so that we could find salvation. Jesus gave up his earthly life on the cross so that we could have salvation. Your encounter with Jesus costs others a whole, whole lot. More than perhaps you will ever be aware of. More than you will ever know just so that you could meet Jesus. See, we, we so often we, we focus on the earthly. We focus on the, 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 the temporary. Those things that will pass away. But we must remember our eternal impact and the eternal impact of those that, that, that we encounter every day. The eternal impact that perhaps a loved one will make in the life of someone else. If I could just see, if I could just see the spiritual, if I could just see this ripple effect, we can pray for it. And I believe God will give us that ability to, to he'll bring people into our life to say, did you know that your husband had this effect in my life? Did you know that your son, that your daughter had this impact in my life, that it is eternally making a difference in my life, and it's going to eternally make a difference in my children's life, and my grandchildren's life, and we have now began to follow Jesus because of what this person did in my life. Someone else suffered so that you could encounter Jesus, so that I could encounter Jesus. Someone else suffered so that I, my attention, my focus would be pointed at Jesus. See, this is the heart of our Christmas sermon series, to consider the costs. And as we consider these costs, 
to take that next step of commitment with Jesus, with the Lord, and to do something costly this Christmas season. I've been ending each one of our messages with a challenge. Today, before I, I, I give you this challenge, I want to give you a plea. And that plea is this, don't take your salvation for granted. Not ever again, not for one moment, don't ever take your salvation for granted. Keep in mind the sacrifice that someone else has been so that you could know Jesus, so that you could share in the hope of eternal resurrection with Him. Don't take your salvation for granted. Someone paid a great price so that you could know Jesus, so you could know His love, His grace, His mercy, His forgiveness from this day forward. Our challenge today pure and simple, is to commit ourselves and to commit our families to Jesus. I shared a statistic last night. I'm going to misquote it, but I'm going to say it anyway. Men... Yeah, I don't, I don't have it off the top of my head. There's a very small number of committed uh, men in the, in the nation that are committed to Jesus. Not enough. But it said this, that when a husband or a father commits his life to Jesus and begins to serve him, begins to follow him with everything, 97% of the time... Wife and the family follow. Now think about this. Now some of you are sitting in church and you say, well, I'm sitting in church. That's enough. That's, that's good. Praise the Lord for that. 97% of the time, it makes an eternal impact in your family's life if you begin to follow Jesus. Walk with Him. Do what He has called you to do. I can go on and on. I got a new message, but it's already past time. It's, it's just this. I'm going to say it anyway. For years, I've been led to this scripture, Jesus saying, uh, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. So when Jesus says, go and learn what this means, you better go and learn what it means. But I didn't. I mean, I kept like, wandering in my mind. What does that mean? And then last night it hit me. He said, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. These are words of the prophet Hosea. He said them first, or God said it to, to the prophet Hosea first. Jesus says it in Matthew 9. He says it again in Matthew 12. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. What that means is, Jesus is saying, I desire love. I desire compassion. I desire a dedicated, committed heart, not a work ethic. I don't know where that fits in with this, but I come back to the challenge and say, our challenge this week is to commit ourselves to Jesus, to following Him. Our 
challenge this week is to do something to commit our families to Jesus. Maybe it's praying over your, your, your spouse or, pray, or praying over your children. Don't pray over your spouse. Pray with your spouse. I'll keep going. Why not? You're still here. Nobody's left yet. The divorce rate outside the church is 50%. One in every two marriages end with divorce. The divorce rate inside the church, I, 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 I always, I, I, I've said this, I'm sure I've said it up here multiple times. The divorce rate outside or inside the church is no different. One in every two marriages end in divorce. Those that attend church together. However, in fact, I just said this at our last men's meeting. However, when a husband and wife pray together daily, out loud, the divorce rate falls from one in every two to one in every, you ready for this? 10,000. You say, well, that's unbelievable. Dr. Phil said it. So you know it's got to be true. So, I say this. Let us take on that challenge. Let us take on that call that Jesus gives us to commit our families to Jesus this next week. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for our time together. I thank you, God, for... I thank you, God, for... the sons of Bethlehem. I thank you, Jesus, for their parents, real people, Lord, real suffering, real grief, real heartbreak, real agony, Jesus. God, today, I thank you for those that have gone before us, Lord, that have blazed a path, Lord, have been the light, have been the salt in our world, Lord God. I thank you for their families, Jesus. And today, Lord, especially today, Lord, I ask for your encouragement, your comfort, your enlightenment wisdom, Lord, to pour down upon them. I pray, God, that you would bring warmth to homes and comfort to hearts. Jesus, we thank you. In your name, amen. Let's stand together.